Hello, and welcome to this cultural awareness series interview, recognizing Native American Heritage Month. My name is Dr. Matis Lachwayo Davis, and I am the associate editor. I would like to introduce our panelists today, Dr. Jessica Snowden. She is the chief of the Division of Pediatric Infectious Disease at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Snowden. I'm thrilled to be here. So let's dive right into it. It is such an important time for us to raise awareness around all things related to this community. So I'd like to start off by asking you, why is it important for the medical community to recognize and celebrate Native American Heritage Month? And how can we meaningfully honor Native American and Alaska Native communities? I would love to start with the last part of this, right? Yeah. How do we meaningfully honor our American Indian and Alaska Native communities? One of the things I've learned as both a person who comes from this heritage, as a clinical trialist who works with these groups, is that every one of us, regardless of our background, has a unique contribution to make to what science is. And every one of us comes with a culture and an environment that influences the answers to questions, right? The answer to a question in downtown New York City is not the same thing as the answer to a question in rural Montana. And so making sure that we are really inclusive in everything we do to make sure the solutions we find serve all the people that we intend to serve is really critical. And so I think that's why it's really important that we make an effort to reach out to underserved communities like our Alaska Native communities, like our American Indian communities, our Hawaiian Native communities, all of the indigenous peoples of what we now consider the United States have a different cultural and environmental perspective to bring to the answers that we generate in science. And those answers are critical for all of us to make sure that we serve them all. That piece, as we change our worldview, to have that front of mind, that the answers we generate serve everyone, will make all of us much better off. Gosh, I love that answer because it frames it exactly right and makes it an active process, not a passive one, and also just brings to light why it's so important. I'm going to move into the second question I have today, because as you know, we deal intimately with the COVID-19 pandemic, and we all know now it had a disproportionate impact on Native American communities. But we also saw an increase in research funded, right, to address this during the pandemic. What impact has this had on clinical care, equitable testing, and vaccines, do you think? And what remains to be done? The COVID-19 pandemic has been for many underserved communities, not just Native American and Indigenous communities, but for many of us, really highlighted what were pre-existing disparities. We had a tendency in the past to attribute things to race-based medicine that were unfair, that were really more about access to resources, like running water and access to critical medical care and access to testing that were not apparent before. And we saw that all play out when we looked at adverse outcomes of the COVID-19 pandemic. But one of the things that I like to highlight is the positive aspect of vaccine uptake has been incredibly good in Native American communities because we have a cultural sense of taking care of each other. And it demonstrates that if you provide the resources 
that we need to take care of each other, we will. And so it's really a matter of making sure that we're leaning into what are the things that are culturally appropriate for that community and providing them with the resources that they need to be on the same playing field with everybody else. And I've been so excited to see what we can do when we take care of each other. And I wish that everyone had that same worldview. Beautifully empathetic answer. I haven't heard it, someone frame it that way as someone, a lot of people who are in the disparity space are burned out and frustrated seeing the same thing happen time and time again. So it's refreshing to hear someone frame it in the way of us taking care of each other and leading with that lens. I think we could all benefit from that approach. There are so many things that are disparities because of inadequate resources mm -hmm. and inadequate access to care mm -hmm. and inadequate access to the things that I and an upper middle class community take advantage of. Mm. Those are all things that I take advantage of every day and not everybody has. And it's really easy to focus on the negatives and, and those are absolutely things we have to address. There should be no one in the United States who does not have access to running water to wash their hands. And yet we know that's a thing that is associated with increased risk of many, many respiratory illnesses, RSV, COVID, any upper respiratory illness, not having access to running water is an increased risk for an adverse outcome for children. I'm a pediatrician. So for children, we focus on that, that data. And it's not because there's anything that's different about you as a person. It's everything that's different about what we've given you as society. And so wow. there are these gaps that we need to fill. But there are also some really positive things to lean into for everybody else in terms of the sense of responsibility for your community. Mm. The impressive vaccine uptake for COVID-19 among Native communities mm. is really because the cultural drive is for taking care of all of us. And I think there are, as much as we focus on the gaps we need to fill, we also need to focus on the things we hold up as successes. Thank you for that. And honestly, we see this throughout in this community, right? Not enough coverage, not enough attention to, not enough awareness for. But much like the CDC in Africa had a really successful run and aren't given credit for that. You know, everybody's trying to find genetic reasons and it's a younger population, but there was actually a really robust response from that community that's born out of the culture. That's akin to what I'm hearing here. And you don't hear enough about how wildly successful vaccine uptake was as a result. So I love to hear you answer that question by not really attributing that to the increase in funding per se, and I'm sure some of the research practices did help, but really giving credit to the community itself who rallied to support themselves, which is painful in a way because it comes from a place of having to and not always having other people do that on behalf of the community, but truly refreshing. And it really leads into the, the third question, which is we've now entered a new phase of the pandemic, right, in which much of the public has resumed their previous daily lives. What actions need to be taken to ensure that this population specifically continues to be protected against COVID-19? And whose responsibility is it to lead those efforts? So I'm a division chief in pediatric infectious disease, among my other job titles. And every day I get emails to the effect of, can't we go back to normal? Can't you let us drop whatever this rule is and let us go back to normal? And yet 
I feel like my job is to protect people who can't be protected if I don't use my voice because I, I am privileged to have an ability to say things that make things happen. And I think that's the piece for all of us to keep in mind. Those of us in positions of privilege are relatively safe. We've learned to live with the pandemic. We have access to antiviral medications. We have access to vaccines, but we are nowhere near that being the case for everybody. That's right. And everyone needs that ability and we're not there yet. And I think that's the piece for all of us to keep in mind as healthcare providers, particularly as people in infectious disease, which is what all of us in IDSA are, but really anybody in the healthcare profession to recognize that while it feels like this is over for you, this is not over for everyone. You know, I am assured that my family is safe because my family is fully vaccinated and I could get them access to any care they needed. That's not true for every family. And every family deserves the chance to be safe, not just from COVID in the acute standpoint. We tend to, now that we're coming out of it, forget how many hundreds of thousands of people died that did not need to from this virus. And how many people are continuing to die from this virus who don't need to, if they had access to preventative care from a vaccine, if they had access to therapeutics. and Keeping that piece front of mind, this is not over for so many people. And those of us who are in a position of privilege have a responsibility to speak to not race-based medicine in that, oh, this is a problem of people of color, but rather this is a societal problem. This is a problem related to underservice, mm-hmm. limited access to resources, That's right. limited access to vaccine. And I think the more we shift that worldview, from what, frankly, I learned in medical school 20 years ago to what is an environmental construct, the more that we can take responsibility for the change we can make happen. Yes, to the environmental construct. And again, I really appreciate this lens that you're bringing now that we're you know over two and a half years out and moving into this next phase, especially as it makes it reflect on our role and our responsibility as infectious diseases providers across the spectrum. Yeah. Well, last but certainly not least, what changes can the healthcare system and providers make towards overcoming barriers to equitable care for Native American communities? What do you want to see more of in the future? One of the things, and this comes largely from my clinical trials lens, so I run an 18-state clinical trial network, and thinking about asking communities first not us coming to you. I see that made you happy. Um, public health gets, my public health hat gets so happy asking communities first. Right. As opposed to, I'm going to come to you with my solution and how can I implement it? Or I'm going to come to you with my solution. And I want you to sign off on it, which is frequently what happens. Um, the next step is, you know, please help us implement it in your community. But the better step is, we see this as a problem. Do you see it as a problem? And if so, how can we solve it together? So I think shifting that worldview, which is scary as a scientist, I will say as someone who started as a basic scientist and shifted to clinical trials, I am all about control. And when you go to this worldview of putting the question out to the world, 
you lose control. But I do think you get a better answer. And I think that's the piece that we need to figure out how to shift our funding structures towards, our promotion structure towards, to really say, what are the answers that matter to our communities? And how can we figure out a way to meaningfully, effectively, right? I mean, I'm a scientist. I want an answer that is real. So how do I make an answer that's real, but that comes from a question that came from the people who are most impacted by this? And it's so much harder than anything I ever did as a basic scientist or even anything I do as a tribalist. And yet I think that's the critical space we need to start to get towards is how do we answer questions that matter to the communities we serve? Woo, you said so much. You talked about asking community first. You talked about challenging the status quo as it pertains to how we allocate funding in the space and how we receive it. You asked us to challenge ourselves to lead with humility and to go out of our comfort zones in losing that control that people and academics are so used to having and feel like they've earned the right because they've worked so hard for, but it's not about us. It's about community first. And I've had so many people who have taught me this along the way. Like this is a, it is still a journey for me yeah. because I really am a person who started with basic science oh. where I could control all the variables. And even as a trialist, I can control a lot of the variables and I can control the question and really starting to learn how do you give? And I think that comes from really having conversations with communities and respecting those communities for what they are and who they are. And that they're just as valid as every other community that we respect when we're making funding decisions, when we're making publication decisions, when we're making every other choice. Why would we not value every community equally when we make those decisions? So many gems. I just wanna say as a more junior member in, in infectious diseases, what a joy to know that there's leaders out there like you who approach research, clinical practice, and education with this lens. What a joy is a person whose intersectionality embeds me deeply in a community that has also been left behind more times than not. What a joy to know that there's leaders out there like you. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Snowden, and helping us to really be reflective about our role as it pertains to recognizing Native American Heritage Month. Thank you. Thank you.